0: Okay, here we go. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. I don't know that we <laughs> we don't have any fathers in the class, but happy Father's Day anyway. And I'm so grateful to join with you. Uh, the Greek word for hello is yasas. They say hello and goodbye, same word, yasas. Uh, that's formal, actually, so we would say Yasu, which is informal, Yasu. So let us join together in prayer, gratefully and thankfully, opening our heart and opening our mind to infinite love, intelligence. So grateful to take this breath and to allow ourselves to come into our hearts. So grateful to consciously be choosing to know the truth that sets us free so grateful to surrender all blocks to love and to open our heart and mind to the direction and the healing of the higher holy spirit itself. so grateful and so thankful to choose our awakening we're accepting the atonement for ourselves We are grateful and thankful that our awakening, our healing, our willingness is shared with everyone because we are one with them. In gratitude, we joyfully allow our healing to be. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Yes. So grateful to join together. Had a great weekend of classes so far. I'm sure today will be awesome. And so we're going to jump in here. We're going to do uh, another week on doubt. And so we're looking at the manual for teachers, chapter seven. I'm going to unmute everyone here and take us interactive. So I invite you to prepare whatever you need to do to self mute here we go
1: all right <sighs> so
0: has anybody uh, been contemplating doubts and had any insights aha questions anything coming up in the last week that you'd like to bring up first And uh by means of uh doing that we can just say hello. Anybody like to say hello, we can start with
1: uh anybody uh on the east coast. Uh, hi, it's Lawrence. Hey Lawrence. Hey it's Philip. Hey Philip. How about the west coast?
2: Hi, Julie's here. Hey, Julie. Good morning. And, yeah, evening. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, for me it's, uh, just after 7 p.m.
1: Yeah, and, um, anybody in the middle? Hi, Jennifer, it's Lana.
0: Hey, Lana. So we've got a small and mighty group here today. So thanks for joining together. Anybody have anything on this topic of doubt that they'd like to bring up before we jump in?
1: Anybody have um, any? Jennifer, Oh, Jennifer. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I wanted to ask what section in the Manual
0: for Teachers is it? It's Chapter 7. It's my page 22.
1: And 23. Okay, thank you. Thank Mm -hmm. you. So one of the things
0: we were talking about last week, just a refresher, is uh, that, as it says in paragraph four, one of the most difficult temptations to recognize Is that to doubt a healing because of the appearance of continuing symptoms is a mistake in the form of lack of trust. So I think this is one of the most, as it says, difficult temptations to recognize. One of the most challenging things to recognize is that when we've prayed on something, when we've handed it over, when we have Said, it's done in the mind of God. I've changed my mind about this. I've relinquished the attachment I have to the beliefs, to the meaning I've made of things, to whatever the thoughts are known and unknown. I've relinquished all of that. I've prayed to know the truth. I've mentally and emotionally had a healing. But the symptoms in the situations and circumstances in the physicality of our life continue. We don't know what that's for. But what we're being told and taught here is that we're to continue to trust and have faith regardless of what the situations and circumstances seem to be telling us. And one of the examples I gave of uh, was when my mother was so sick, and I was praying for healing, and I held in my mind that the healing had happened, and it was unfolding, even despite my mother's appearance of continuing to get uh, more and more ill on a physical level. And so I didn't doubt that the healing was happening, but I gave up my attachment to how I thought it should look. Whoa. Okay. Let's hope that doesn't happen again. I think that's coming from, well, it's hard for me to know who it's coming from.
1: Anybody else hear that high pitched sound? Yep. Okay.
0: Yeah, if you know the cause of it, perhaps you uh, I'm sure you're
1: you're already attending to it. Hmm. So, it's telling us that love without trust is impossible. So,
0: to love is to trust. To trust is to love. And love is the healer. So it is our persistent trust and faith, despite the appearances, that is love expressed and held in mind, and that's the healer.
1: And our opportunities in our life give us
0: the. Perfect curriculum for practicing trust and faith, which is practicing love. So, when we trust and faith, we are practicing love. Love is our healer. So, the thing for us is to, when there's doubt, to do as Jesus said and to really dress it and say, Get thee behind me. To know that doubt is only of the ego so when there is doubt it's not that we're doing something bad or wrong it's that opportunity to release the pattern of not having faith of not having trust of not loving of going into attack so jesus is very clear here that to not have trust and faith is to not have love and therefore to be in attack mode Because there's only, you're either in love mode or attack mode. There's no in-between. And for me, I find that helpful in training my mind to always be in love mode and to recognize when I've fallen into the traps of attack mode. And so he's telling us here that it is the most difficult, one of the most difficult temptations is doubt. So what I'd love for us to bring a, a sense of practical application to this, where in your life do you experience the challenge of doubt? Where is it most difficult for you, or maybe it's not the most difficult, but something you'd be willing to share that you're, you struggle with doubt? So I'd like to ask everyone who's in the class today to share some place where they have prayed for healing, they've prayed to know the truth, but they recognize they still have doubt. They don't trust.
1: So who would like to share first? I will Jennifer, this is Lana. Hey Lana. Hey. Well, I've mentioned on the
3: community calls I think that i i uh just finished up a ten week th- uh, healthy thyroid support group, but really what it was about is is uh to try to heal your thyroid by understanding some of the um uh, the reasons that it that it might have manifested you know like
4: mm-hmm. uh
3: fear of expressing yourself and and things so we did the support there were some natural things that we did like uh take a etomidine and get um, fluoride out of your, you know, stop using the toothpaste with fluoride in it and some other things. But there was also a lot of mental healing of of things from the past where you might have had difficulty with dealing with anger and criticism. And so we did a lot of tapping and emotional freedom technique. And so the class is over. And we were also doing uh, like a half-hour meditation every single day where we Visualized ourselves being healed, and um, and so based on the our last class was last week. So after hearing your class, I I really told myself that yes, that I have asked for this healing, and that I cannot fail. Mm -hmm. So I guess the challenge is also being able to not be attached to what that looks like. Mm
2: -hmm. In my mind,
3: it would look like I could get off my thyroid medicine. Mm-hmm. which that that uh, is not, you know. And I know too it can take time and some um I'm sure there's doubt creeping in. I feel like I've had a healing, but in the physical world there's still this you know the manifestation of of uh,
1: needing to take supplements. Mhm. Mhm. That's a great example. So when doubt comes up
0: do you have a strategy do you have a a way to
1: apply the mind training to that hmm that's a good question
3: i mean i think about that i think about that one one sentence that in chapter uh, paragraph 2 that first sentence but I, don't, I can't say that every day I've gone back to it to look at it, but that I would think that reading that sentence and just reminding myself that I cannot fail and then mm-hmm. to remember the story about your mom that I mm-hmm. that don't be attached to what it looks like in form, those would be the two things I think that, um two things I've done so far, but I, I can't say that I'm doing it on a daily basis.
1: Yeah. Okay. Do you feel like the doubt comes up on a daily basis?
3: I don't know if it's coming up. I mean, I feel like huh? I've had a healing, but yeah, it's challenging to know that.
1: Um. I know it's possible to heal the body. I know it's possible. Mhm. I
3: don't know that I ha- that I that I have certainty that that it will happen to me, that I can have the right kind of thinking to bring it about.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. That's the crux of it right there. Yeah. That's it right there. That we can intellectually know that healing can happen, that the healing is at the level of the mind. We can know, know that intellectually, but then we doubt whether or not it's possible for us. Right. And we doubt it because we do things like we say, I'm not going to have any more brownies. And then we have three brownies. Right. We we doubt it because we say, you know, whatever it could be, I'm not going to have sex with that person again. And then we do. Uh, it, it could be just anything that we say one thing and then we do another we make a commitment to be kind and loving to someone and then we find ourselves being sarcastic and cold. And so we are inconsistent. And so then we think, well, without the consistency, can I have a healing? So what it's telling us here is to give all of that to the Holy Spirit for healing, to not. that our inconsistency will prevent our healing that part of our healing is surrendering the inconsistency.
1: So when the doubt comes up it's actually an opportunity to have more healing. So let's look at this some more who else has got uh, an example that they can share. i well, sure. Um Okay.
5: Mine yeah. is mine is a doubt of um, <clears throat> this is karmic too. I think it's been almost my life, not knowing what is my passion, what is, are my talents, what would mm-hmm. make me, and then it somehow tied. I don't know how. Recently, the last few weeks, I've been going through some sort of. A, Uh, resistance? I don't know how to term it, but uh, it's somehow tied to faith in, in spirituality being pushed by vision versus uh, pulled by pain, because most of my spirituality has been... Um, I, may, I, I may be confusing the pull with the push, but... Uh, yeah,
1: pushed by the pain, by pulled by pain. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah. So that's
1: my example. Mm-hmm. Yes. So the doubting yourself that do you think you're doubting yourself that you have gifts and talents? What they are? There's
5: a part of me that feels um that life should be lived fully with passion with enthusiasm and when I don't have that and not know it may be unworthiness is a, well it's obviously unworthiness, one of the root causes of it but um, is a judgment that I'm not living my life that way
1: mm-hmm.
5: and I don't know how because I've never, I, I feel like I need to have I look at, I, can, you know, the compare despair thing, I look at others that have obvious talents and I say well I don't so but um, and I'm not again. I'm, I, I really think it's tied somehow to my faith, but I'm not clear how that doubt of um,
1: spirit is also tied to this. Mhm. Mhm. Well, I'll just say
0: as an aside, I, I think you have a great talent as a facilitator doing the community calls. I've definitely witnessed that and appreciate your talent.
5: But well, let's so, let's go there. Um, so while I'm doing that, I'm in the space and I like it. When I'm out of that space and I look at it, it's, I say, "Is this what I really want to do?" So I I don't have an enthusiasm for it, or I have um, a judgment that there are other things of the world, quote, quote unquote, that I'd
1: rather be doing. So. Well, that. Certainly it's understandable and uh but
0: nonetheless you still have a talent for it. Even if it's not your greatest passion, you still have a a talent for it.
5: Kinda of reminds me of the old biblical story of was it Jonah
1: who resisted his <laughs> mm-hmm.
5: calling or so? Yeah. Anyway.
0: Yep, that's fairly typical. But so, but what I hear is that there's some of uh, doubting even that you are gifted and also doubting that you could discover it, that you could accept it. <clears throat> Do you think it's possible, Philip, that uh, you are afraid to know? your gifts and talents because you're afraid
1: to explore them? Mm. Not sure. Okay. Not
5: sure why I would be afraid of exploring my gifts and talents.
1: Ah.
0: Well, I can tell you that When I, um, let me just uh, make an adjustment here, there's a a noise, I'd like to hear less
6: outside.
0: Um, I remember that when I first read Carolyn Mace's book, Anatomy of the Spirit, which I highly recommend. Uh, I was first reading it in the bathtub and I was reading her, I think it was her foreword or her introduction, and in there she was talking about how uh, she had, she was an editor and she had a desire to write, if I remember correctly, historical novels. And that she was led into medical intuitive work uh, kind of sideways she got into it and that she had not intended to have that as a work or career and it wasn't something she was really interested in doing but she had a great talent for it and that became very apparent and so when i read that I had a spontaneous reaction which was I threw the book across the room. It literally was like a reflexive action. So here I am reading that she had a desire to do one thing but spirit led her in this other direction that she really didn't want to go. She was reluctantly going but she had a lot of talent for it and I literally had a a spontaneous reflexive response that I threw the book across the room I'd never done that before and I I knew that and I felt it was fear it was fear so what was I afraid of I was afraid of not being able to follow my heart's desire and somehow being led into something else and that's exactly what happened to me because my heart's desire was to write screenplays plays, and screenplays Uh, and while I definitely had this great interest in spirituality I didn't have an interest in being a spiritual leader not at that time and so I was rejecting my calling in that way and I'm not saying that you're doing that Philip at all, I'm not saying that but uh, I think it's common for people, I've certainly seen it in many people that they have a calling for something and there's a fear that it's going to take me where I don't want to go. It's going to take me in uncharted waters. And that was certainly part of my fear that uh, because if I went on a path uh, as a screenwriter, I could see where that would take me. I could easily envision it. And I felt uh, I was wrong, but I believed, that I could navigate it and control it uh, and make it be what I wanted it to be. And I had a great resistance to following my calling. But then I finally, ultimately, uh, realized it was my heart's desire. To follow my calling. So, it's very common for people to resist or fear following their calling because it may well take them into a place where they, their ego has to, in order to be effective, has to truly surrender and not be in charge anymore and that's what scared me that's what my resistance and reluctance was about so for several years I prayed every day to release the resistance and the reluctance and to just be willing to follow my calling to surrender and uh, and it finally kicked in finally kicked in but it's the there's a great fear the ego has of that surrender because it feels like death to the ego. And so we can have blocks to following our passion, following our calling, living our passion, because very often in order to live our passion, regardless of whether it is, it could be gardening, it could be anything, it doesn't matter. Uh, we, In order to live a passionate, fulfilling life, we've got to be tuned into the infinite and we've got to be able to surrender and not be guided by the ego anymore. Because there's no way to live a passionate life that's fulfilling and helpful while also trying to manage and control things. And since the ego only knows how to manage and control things or to destroy things, there's there's the rub. Does that make sense?
5: Unfortunately, yes.
0: <laughs> Why is that unfortunate?
5: <laughs> oh, because it's bringing up the resistance to what you were talking about. Yeah.
0: So here's the thing: is for me, once I was really willing to surrender, truly willing to surrender. And I'm still working on the surrender every day, believe me, every day. Every day I'm more surrendered, and there's still a ways to go. And But the more surrendered I am, the more peaceful I am, the more harmonious I am, the more prosperous I am,
7: the happier I am,
0: the better my life is. You know, it's so clear to me now. I I feel very blessed because the more I follow my guidance, the more I go from beautiful place with beautiful people to beautiful place with beautiful people. More and more expansive activities of love. And that's where I keep my attention and focus. That's what I'm calling for. That's what I'm accepting. That's what I'm allowing. And I'm surrendering the blocks to it every day. But to live a fulfilling life of living our calling, living our passion, sharing our gifts and talents, we have to let go of the egos. We have to let we have to get the ego out of the power seat. Because remember, the ego looks at everything through the past. That's why I think one of the best... Um, Analogies or metaphors for it is if you're trying to make headway in your life, you're trying to make real progress, but the ego is still the one in charge, it's like trying to drive a car while only looking in the mirrors, not looking forward. And how fast are you going to go if you're driving a car looking in the rearview mirror? You're not going to go very fast and you're not going to feel free. Uh, Edwin Gaines is a unity minister, and I saw her speak uh, a number of times. One time she said, uh, she shared a quote. She said uh, something like, uh, and I'm going to close with a wonderful quote from that great spiritual teacher, uh, the race car driver, Mario Andretti course it's not a spiritual teacher but his quote was if you feel like you're in control then you're not going nearly fast enough if you feel like you're in control then you're not going nearly fast enough and so part of the learning curve for every spiritual student is and it's right in alignment with this teaching on doubt, is we have to stop trying to control. And that is terrifying to the ego. So the only way that we can really accomplish that is to give it to the Holy Spirit and to have trust and faith. That's a practice. It's a discipline which really does require a desire to have trust and faith because the rewards of trust and faith are living the life you desire, living an unprecedented life,
7: living a life
0: where you feel peaceful and free and prosperous. I don't think it's possible to live feeling peaceful, harmonious and prosperous without faith and trust. I just don't see how it could ever be possible. So, in the mind of the infinite, in the awareness of the higher self, the Holy Spirit, the guardian angel, the I Am Presence, in that
4: awareness.
0: There is the knowing of the calling of the gifts and the talents. And so, I think the only way we really really can get there is through trust and faith and being willing to see what unfolds. But if we're not willing to follow the guidance when we get it, do we really want to know what the answer is. If we feel resistant and reluctant to follow the guidance, do we want to know what the guidance is? We don't. And that thought alone will block its showing up in our awareness.
2: But you know, but can I make a comment perhaps? about that? Yeah. um just comes up for me is it seems sort of a uh, a struggle for me is if I'm resisting something, um, for instance, you know, we talk about the divine alarm clock, right? And if I'm feeling bad about something, mm-hmm. then it's probably from the ego. But if, Has to be. for instance, something comes up in my life you know and i i think maybe this is spirit talking to me but it's scary as hell Mm -hmm. how do i know that (laughs) there's no divine my alarm clock is telling me whoa this is i'm frightened this is a fear-based thought right so how how do i know to push forward how do how can i if i can't you know there's trust again now i'm not i need to trust my alarm clock and if now, I can't trust my alarm clock because I don't always know if I'm feeling resistant or fearful. Does that make sense? It seems sometimes like a big quandary
1: Okay.
0: where this so, thought is
2: really coming from.
0: Yeah. So can, do you have a specific example?
2: Um, well, let's say um, healing, for instance. For me... I don't know, um but I I have a base belief system of uh, sacrifice, God equals sacrifice, and gifts from God are earned, and I have to sacrifice something for them, so it, it seems so deep in me that if I don't really think about it when I'm praying, my prayers are fearful. Um, <clears throat> So if I ask God for, for a healing, there's something in me that responds with, um, well, if you want, uh, your shoulder to feel better, maybe I'll take your knees away. You know, I don't think it's, is I know it's ridiculous and intellectually I understand how ridiculous it is, but it's, you know, something I pray about on a daily basis. Um, for that so there's also recently been um um you know i'm retired recently retired and i am too just you know what philip said just struck me to the core because i also feel like i'm just kind of waiting to see where um i'll be taken and i have like kind of no ambition or passion about so many things, and I had an opportunity for a small job, just a, something I thought that I'd really enjoy, and I dreaded it, and so I, uh, you know, kind of came out of nowhere, so I thought, oh, maybe this is my opportunity, and the dread that I felt going there, and I just really didn't care for it at all, and so I, I wasn't sure what to do with that. It's like, it felt like, you know, was this a gift for me or you know how do i make a what is my decision based on here can i trust the dread that is that from is that uh my divine alarm clock saying not to do something or to do something i don't know it's all very confusing <laughs> i feel very confused my doubt comes totally from confusion and not having like rules I guess, because I'm kind of an engineer brain and this is so esoteric, of course. And I don't know. That's well, a very small example.
0: No, this is great. I'm so gra- glad that you brought this up, Julie, because this is just a, a, a perfect example. So, and you know what? This, this is not esoteric. It's very practical, very down-to-earth. It really is. So let's, let's discover how that could be so. Um, so you're feeling a sense of dread. The divine alarm clock is going off. You're feeling the dread. So when there's an unharmonious feeling, a disturbed feeling, you're not peaceful, it's always because you're thinking a thought that's not true. It's always because you're thinking a thought that's not true. So what's the thought that's not true? Any idea?
2: Uh, that I don't enjoy this job. And, that, um, and the other part of that was I was disappointed that it's not working out, that it wasn't um, part of my hope. Or my prayers to find a purpose, mhm,
0: okay, so the thought that's not true is, I don't enjoy this job. You do enjoy the job, and the false thought is I don't enjoy it. Is that what you're saying? Uh,
2: I don't know. I mean, it certainly didn't feel like it was something that I should be doing. Does that make sense, or was I, you know, I had no uh, desire or enjoyment of it at all.
0: Okay. So the thoughts might be, I hate this. I don't like this. I shouldn't be doing this. This was a mistake.
2: Yep, all of those. It's unfulfilling.
0: Okay. All right. So were there also thoughts that... Uh You you did something wrong, or somebody did
2: something wrong. Um, I guess what was wrong, I felt wrong about it was that I had put some hope in the fact that it was going to be um, a, a good, fulfilling job for me, or a chance to to start, to restart, right? Right. My my decision to do it was wrong, or my decision, or my hope. It was a disappointment. You know, I yeah. felt disappointed that I felt led there.
0: Okay, so there was an attachment to the outcome.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Okay. So what if the whole purpose of the experience was to eliminate something and to eliminate it clearly?
2: Well it did that. <laughs> For
0: sure. That's what I'm feeling. So the yes. upset Yeah, so the upset that I'm that you're telling us about, it feels to me that it's a result of having had that attachment and then judging that something wrong or bad was happening. Because in truth Wouldn't it be plausible that if you had been thinking that this could be a great move for you when in truth, it's not a great move for you, wouldn't having clarity about that
2: be helpful? This is great. You know, this puts a whole new spin on everything, of course, and I'm like, Okay, that makes so much sense. I wish I had thought of that, <laughs> but with your help, here I am. You know, those yeah. are the types of things. It's like I constantly wish I had, like, you know, you in my pocket or something to help me through these things. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll just take
0: this as a moment. We've got a whole bunch of new trainees in the Spiritual Counseling Certification Program, and they're offering counseling sessions on a love donation basis. So, uh, you know, it really, they need to do 111 practice sessions, and they're eager to do those. So I'm encouraging everyone to take advantage of that and uh the love offering can be whatever you feel is just in that moment spontaneously and i i have done when i was doing sessions that way i i did sessions for two dollars i did sessions for um five dollars ten dollars all you know just and um So I encourage everyone in the group to take advantage of the opportunity to have more spiritual counseling and to support the trainees in doing their work. So it's a win-win for everybody. Um, So there's that.
2: The moderator has left the conference.
0: There, sorry about that. My internet dropped out. I just want to make sure everybody can hear me now.
2: Julie? Yep, I'm here. Okay, great. You're back. (laughs) So,
0: thank you. So, the divine alarm clock is saying that we're believing something that's not true. It's that pee under the mattress like the Princess and the Pea story. it's There's no way that we can feel peaceful and harmonious and balanced while deluding ourselves or just believing something that's untrue. And so we can think that um, the reason I feel afraid or worried or concerned is because I shouldn't be doing this or because uh, this is not going to go well for me. But it's really because we're thinking something that's not true. So uh, as we just saw there with Julie, the she was thinking those thoughts that, you know, this is not going well, I don't like this, I wish it were different, these kinds of thoughts. But the real false thought is, an attachment to the outcome, and having um, this—I'll just say my my sense of what you were saying, Julie, is feeling that in some way this job opportunity would solve some problems or rescue you.
2: Nailed it. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So there's a. I would just say there's a calling, something. We may not know what it is, but it's something that will be fulfilling, that will be your heart's desire, and it will be made clear to you through your willingness. And the only way that you can actually expand into that fulfilling work that you desire is to let go of settling for something limited that's not your calling and to stay open to being divinely guided
2: and how will I know when that's the one you know the I mean yeah uh, you know as I'm searching right now you know in in form I'm, I'm like I am going back through my past and I'm looking at things That I've always kind of loved to do Mm -hmm. and trying on those hats again, right? Mm -hmm. And um, possibly that's stopping me from looking at something altogether different and new. I don't know, but I don't Mm -hmm. know that, uh, do I just sit and wait for something to happen? I mean, I feel... I'd like to be engaged in the process somehow or is that not, you know, correct? I don't know.
0: <laughs> right. So one thing is to really be clear in your prayers. Uh, you know, I am willing to follow my passion. I am willing to have
4: my
0: Uh, to even have my passion revealed to me, I am willing to live the highest and best possibility for my life. I'm willing. See, when I threw that book across the room, I was frightened at the idea that I would be surrendering control. But you see, The the ego has the delusion of control. There's no such thing as ego control. In this world, we can't control anything. It's just not even remotely possible. And people who do try to control things will then find themselves with all kinds of challenges, you know, as they're struggling to keep control. You know, it's like... trying to arrange the deck chairs on the Titanic. So affirming your willingness, your openness, that's one of the main tools that you have. I really, truly believe in working with the deep desire of the heart to be so helpful, So, and and this is what I did, and it worked for me. So I would work with the deep desire of the heart like this deep desire of my heart is to share my gifts and talents in the world in ways that are profoundly fulfilling and enjoyable for me and for others the deep desire of my heart is to work at something i love and have a passion for the deep desire of my heart is to enjoy my work completely The deep desire of my heart is to work in a space that's beautiful, that I feel comfortable and safe. The deep desire of my heart is to work with people that I admire and love and enjoy. The deep desire of my heart is to work in places that are beautiful, where I feel nurtured and supported. The deep desire of my heart is to be prosperous and to have an overflow of abundance and prosperity in my life. And on and on like that. So I I was very dedicated to doing that deep desire of the heart work. And I experienced tremendous manifestation. So I was working on all fronts. I was praying. I was... It, Visualizing because I would find that when I was doing that deep desire of the artwork, I would visualize energetically uh, myself laughing and having fun and being with people I admired, and um, you know, not specific people. But just to have that sense of being with people I admired and enjoyed and feeling fulfilled and experiencing beauty and radiance and luminosity and all of these various um, desires being made manifest. So doing those two things and then practicing the willingness to follow the guidance. So I learned that if I'm feeling guided to go for a walk now, I need to go for that walk now because you never know. It might be that going on that walk now, I meet my soulmate or I meet the person that's going to be my business partner. We just don't know. So uh, if we're not willing to follow the guidance to go for a walk, then are we going to be willing to follow the guidance to take a real leap of faith you see so I realized that in my life it was extremely important to practice following even the smallest amounts of guidance and I found on a regular basis I would not follow the little bits of guidance and then I would realize later missed opportunity missed opportunity oh if only I had followed that piece of guidance and so I And I still find myself every day practically realizing, oh, there was a piece of guidance, and I brushed it away, I brushed it away, I brushed, I just, that is one of the most um, persistent things for me is recognizing, just follow that little guidance. It's such a still, small voice, it's like a little whisper at times, very faint, but... Through my willingness, it doesn't feel faint anymore. It feels very present and very clear. It's right there. So when my willingness is lower, then it feels more like a fly on the wall. And so I'm like, I don't have to pay attention to a fly on the wall. But then later I'm like, ah, that fly knew everything, (laughs) you know. So learning that lesson thousands of times is that refinement. It's refining the willingness, the willingness, the willingness. You know, the willingness, the still small voice says, don't eat that. Choose this instead. Meh. I want to do what I want to do. Okay, sure, free will. Go for it. However you would like to learn, you can learn. You can learn through following the guidance or you can learn through experiencing the pain. All day long, we make the choices. So, for what you're sharing, Julie, it's about trusting that you will be guided, and again, it feels very much like what Philip was talking about of uh, will you will you will you allow yourself to be guided to some place that the ego may not want to go, but you would like to go so for me, when Initially, uh, I was being guided to go to the ministry. I was resistant, like, no, no, I'd really rather be a screenwriter. I'd really rather be a writer. And so then finally I got the guidance after having gone to film school and not being able to sell any of my scripts even though all the agents were telling me, and even people to the studios and people like that were saying, you know, this is really good, it's just not the right time, or blah, blah, blah. There were all these excuses that things weren't lining up. And my guidance was, put this writing down and pick up the spiritual writing. Start following that. Become a practitioner. Become a minister. You can always come back to the screenwriting. So I said, okay, I'll do that. Because the guidance just got clearer and stronger and clearer and stronger. But that's why I threw that book across the room, because it wasn't the life that I envisioned for myself. And I knew it would be a path of complete surrender. And that was not something I was interested in at all.
2: Until it's a little terrifying,
0: <laughs> yeah. It's it, there's nothing more terrifying to the ego than surrender,
2: yeah, because it's it all feels the there has this bottom line of sacrifice. And uh huh, exactly.
0: Yep, and we're going to get into that. You know, that's a theme in
1: A Course a miracle. and we're going to get into that. Um. All right.
2: Well, thank you. That was so very, can, very helpful.
1: I'm glad.
0: I'm glad. Yeah, it's helpful to all of us. Thank you for your willingness to share. Lawrence, do you have something where doubt is uh, showing up in your life?
7: Um. Yeah. Uh. In in the. In the past, I have been, I have felt guided to, um, to stop taking my HIV medication, which I've been taking 25 years.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh,
7: because I've, I've, I believe that the body can be. I, I I believe that I should be able to be uh cured, to be able to be free from HIV. Um, and I, I also feel like I have side effects from the from the medications and I just I don't I don't feel comfortable taking them and, and having to be having to feel dependent on them. But then when I have stopped, like the last time I stopped, I, I felt much better for a few weeks. And it might have been even a couple of months. And then I started to, uh, to get what I remembered. I started to develop what I remembered as very early symptoms of, uh, Little infections, skin problems, and, uh, the beginnings of, uh, the beginnings of, of the problems that I had before. Uh, and then, uh, and then I got really sick. And I got, mm. and I didn't know why I was really sick. I was really, really very sick. Um and I got really scared, because I thought that this was like, it, it reminded me of a time when I was really, when I had full-blown AIDS. Um, it, it was that intense. Uh, so, I started taking the uh medications again. Uh, I got over being sick, but I was still shaken by the experience so and so i I didn't feel i had doubt that uh that I could be healthy without the um uh, without the medications so I started taking the medications again and mm-hmm. that's where I am now and i'm still but I'm still feeling like I feel like i shouldn't i feel like I shouldn't be taking. But I'm afraid mm-hmm. to, I'm afraid to stop. Right. I, I don't, this is my doubt. Okay. My doubt in my own ability to allow myself to be healthy.
0: Right. Does it feel to you, Lawrence, like, uh... It's the ego that, or the spirit, that's saying you shouldn't be taking them.
7: It feels like spirit saying that I shouldn't be taking them, that I don't need, them. Mm-hmm. and it feels like the ego saying. You have to, or else you're mm-hmm. going to get really sick. And here I'll show you how sick you're going to get.
4: Right.
0: So when was it that you had that experience of going off the medication for a couple
4: of months? Um
7: that was... The last one, yeah, uh, the last time, that was in February? Yeah, February.
1: So, February
0: of this year?
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And in your experience of going off the medication, did you, how did you hold it in your spiritual practice? How were you working with it in your spiritual practice were you
7: playing I'm, around it at all i wasn't uh i wasn't holding it in my mind it was, i just i wasn't i wasn't addressing it I just stopped. Mm -hmm. And I stopped thinking about
0: it. Got it. Yeah, and that can be a sign of faith, right?
7: Yeah. Yeah.
0: That I've made the decision, it's done, it feels good and true to me. Now, what's next?
4: Yeah, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And yet, what I hear you saying is that the appearance is there was a belief that was operating that you had to take the medication, doubting that I mean, following the guidance was the highest and best. I was
7: I was going back and forth. Like some at some points when I was sick when I, I was feeling as if that I, I had a feeling as if it was as if it was a purging as if it was uh, finally um, getting my body uh, purified from from all this from all these years of, of taking these medications mm. and I had to Healing. But then I wasn't—I I wasn't sure, and I was afraid. So I—I I was afraid that I was—that I was fooling myself, or my ego was afraid that it was right. being
4: fooled.
0: And did you address that in your spiritual practice at all? You
7: address the doubt I, I don't no i don't think i did i I think I
4: just
7: I would just jump just jump back and forth from feeling completely. feeling completely cured and free I would just drop back into being being sick and then when Mm -hmm. I stopped being sick I was able to dismiss that it was just it was just I was just confused I didn't know I was just ready to to, to really surrender.
0: Right. Yep. Yep. And so here's. So you started taking this medication what in eighty four or something like that? You said twenty five years ago. Eighty five. Eighty six. Oh well, uh, okay.
4: Ninety
7: seven. Yeah, 20, 19 years
0: ago. Okay. So um, I was living in New York City in the 80s, and um, I actually was working at the New York Shakespeare Festival when uh, Larry Kramer wrote The Normal Heart, and they were working on it. I don't know if you know that play, Normal Heart. Um, about uh, the AIDS crisis. And um, I, almost every friend I had at that point was a gay man. And so the AIDS crisis very, and I, I had friends who died, and uh, so it was very much a part of my life. And the thought is so strong uh, about a and uh, being fearful around AIDS, and that AIDS is a killer. This is such a strong thought, even though we have all kinds of evidence, yours included, to let us know there's all kinds of possibilities and that um, people can live a good and fulfilling life without fear, around AIDS, it's very possible, and uh, without even many symptoms or anything. So, but the fear in the human race consciousness is very strong about AIDS, HIV, these things are only uh, manageable with drugs, medication, and so, when a thought is that pervasive, it, uh, we're healing it for everyone. We're healing it for everyone. So, what's the main purpose of you working with this? It's to heal your mind, not to heal your body, it's to heal your mind. So, when we're working with something like this, where there is a common thought and our spiritual practice, our life is challenging that common thought in order to have a healing of that common thought and to demonstrate what's true. Uh, It can seem daunting and... uh, big, but there really is no big or small in God, because a false thought is simply a false thought. But when many people think of false thought, the sense is that it's stronger and it has more power.
4: Are you following me? Yes.
7: Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: So here in paragraph 2 of this chapter 7, should healing be repeated, it says that um, when the temptation to doubt comes up, it says, Now the teacher of God only has one course to follow. He must use his reason to tell himself That he has given the problem to one who cannot fail
7: and must recognize
0: that his own uncertainty is not love, but fear, and therefore hate. So this is the same thing that we were talking about with Lana, that the antidote to the doubt is to say, I've given the problem and the healing all to the Holy Spirit. And I am going to stay faithful in my trust to the Holy Spirit. Now, the, the thing that I notice in myself is, and in others, is if we're going to do that, we have to really be sincere in doing that. So we have to really say, no, I've given it to the Holy Spirit. That's not my problem anymore. And to shut the door on the doubt. So what I see many people do is they invite the doubt in, they pour the doubt a cup of coffee, and then we tell the doubt, you know, you're very real to me, and you have a lot of power, but I have a powerful friend, and I'm going to see if my powerful friend, the Holy Spirit, is more powerful than you. I'm not really sure but I'm going to try. And that's not real trust and faith. The doubt is still very active. So, these things come up for us to heal the doubt and to practice shutting the door on doubt, standing in faith. Can you think of an example, either of you, Lana or Lawrence, uh, where you've done that? You've shut the doubt door on doubt, and you've stood in faith.
7: Yes, I I did long ago when I, when I was when I had AIDS. When,
1: Mhm, so can
7: you tell us
0: a little
7: bit more about that well i just i i came it's happened more than once, but one time and I'll try to remember
1: i just uh i came to the to the end of I came to realize that that I could no longer exert my will that that it was that I was helpless that
7: I had exhausted my I had no more will. I had, I had given it up I had given up uh, attachment to the outcome and uh, once I finally gave it up it just turned around I mm. I knew that uh, I was getting better mm simply turned around. hmm Like light came in. I allowed the light it it the light somehow penetrated.
4: Mhm.
0: Do you happen to remember anything that triggered that?
7: felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. A
4: peace
7: peace came upon me. Yeah, there was a there was a feeling of, of just total peace and surrender. I don't remember what triggered it, but I remember it happening. Right. Or it it didn't happen. It just, everything else happened. It didn't happen.
4: Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Thank you. How about you, Lana? Anything to add? I'm not sure
3: if it's exactly what you're asking, but I have had a a correction to my thinking, to my mind,
4: mm-hmm.
3: that resulted mm-hmm. in a, a healing in the body.
0: Mm. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, well... Oh, okay.
3: Um, I guess I'm, well, for many years, I didn't believe in God or I had stopped believing in God because I, I grew up Baptist. And when I was 19 years old, I had an abortion because at the time I thought that was the only answer based on just how I was raised and I I feared that my I feared for my dad to find out or my mom to find out and so to me it was the only option.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And then as I started to to realize that no, that's you know, that I'm not alone here and there was more to this life than what I had thought. Then I started to have a tremendous amount of guilt Mm. having done that and and so there was a, a period of time I started having intense cramps and I even went to the emergency room and they did an ultrasound and said oh well, you have a thickened endometrium and you've got to have uh we need to have that biopsy and blah 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 and then I and finally they ended up having to like go in and look and they said well there's nothing there but yet and then i had a repeat ultrasound that showed something was there and i went to see a healer and and when um when she made me realize that you know i hadn't done anything wrong and that you know anyone in those circumstances would would have made the same decision that i made at that time just the pain went away. I never had any more problems with it. Mm.
0: So the doubt about your decision dissolved?
3: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Or the guilt.
3: I could have, yeah, release the guilt. I had compassion myself and what I had gone through
0: love is the healer compassion is love yeah So my invitation to everyone is, and thank you everyone for sharing intimately what you've been going through or have gone through. It's helpful to have the specifics, I think we all learn from that, and thank you very much for your willingness to share in this safe space. So the lesson for us is this, is that when we have doubt, the thing for us to do is to tell ourselves we've given the problem to one who cannot fail and that our doubt is evidence of what Jesus tells us is hate it's attack thoughts doubt is actually attack thoughts and what are we attacking? we're attacking ourselves We're attacking our worthiness, our reliability, our consistency. And since love is the healer, not attack, if we can just say, I have given this problem to the one who cannot fail. And my only task now is to remember that failure is not even
4: possible.
0: If we doubt, we make failure possible. Because when we doubt, we've taken the power away from the Holy Spirit and given it back to the When we doubt, we've taken the power away from the Holy Spirit and given it back to the ego. Why would we do that except we're falsely identified? And it's really the past is coming up for healing when there's doubt. So when there's doubt, it's not a bad thing, it's an opportunity to heal the mindset to heal the ego
4: identification.
0: Doubt is a healing opportunity. And we're interested in healing opportunities, so we're choosing the healing opportunities. So when the doubt comes up, ah, I welcome this opportunity to heal the root cause of doubt. Given this problem to one who cannot fail, I'm not going to take it back again, I'm going to increase my trust in days. Whatever is the root cause of the doubt, I give it to the Holy Spirit too. So I give the healing to the Holy Spirit, I give the doubt to the Holy Spirit, give it all to the Holy Spirit. That's my part that I play in the healing. In doing that, I'm choosing love. Love is the healer. The healers. healing is happening. Does that, does anybody feel like, oh, I'm going to try to really get that? I feel it's so valuable to get this. So if people don't quite get it, or would like to talk.
2: So can I do that while I remain on a medication or a supplement? Or are they kind of mutually exclusive? That In other words, do I just feel guilty for staying on my medication? <laughs>
0: is you that a
2: sign of my doubt? It could be.
0: It could be, but I don't think it has to be. Um, the question is, do you feel guided to go off the medication?
2: I guess that's the question, is who's guiding me there, right? (laughs) I mean, sometimes ego likes to run my spiritual um, ideas and practice. So that's a prayer matter, I guess.
0: Yeah, that's why I was asking Lawrence when he said that he was having the thought, I should go off the medication. To me, the should word is an ego word. So that's why I asked him, where do you think that guidance was coming from? And he considered it, and his feeling was that it was
6: guidance from spirit.
7: I, I didn't feel like like I was being guy. Like the guidance was that I should go off the medication. It was that the guidance was that I didn't. Need the medication. Mm.
4: Okay.
7: And I felt like it was actually doing me harm. Got it. And 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 then when I stopped, and I and I did feel physically better, and I felt better about the fact that I had stopped too. It just made me feel better. Um, But then I went. In one of my regular checkups, uh, my blood work had come back with my with my viral load detectable again, which it had been undetectable for, you know, 15 years. So that was, that really kind of threw me. Mm-hmm. So then the doubt came creeping in. Right. Right. The doubt and... Yeah, it, was just, it just became fear.
0: Mm-hmm. And how did you handle it at that time?
7: I started taking medication again. Mm-hmm. Even though I, I had stopped feeling, I'd, I'd gotten over the, the sickness, the, the bout with illness, I'd gotten over that, that it just lasted a few days. And I know, it's back to feeling, to to feeling okay. But then I had this report that my viral load was was detectable again, and I, and I it just seemed like. So here's proof that there's proof that you're wrong. here's proof that you can't you can't heal yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's absolute proof. Yeah. So do you want to go on and and get sick like you were before? Like I I don't I don't. I'm not bothered by the thought of dying, but I am bothered by I'm I remember how sick and miserable I was when I when I was dying before, and, I, yeah. and I'm afraid of that of being like that again. That's that's my greatest fear. I think. Right.
0: So, going back to what you I, I don't, yeah. go ahead.
7: I don't have to, it's not as if the, the medications are are keeping me from being sick. It's that the medications are seem to be keeping me from, keeping my body from getting to that place where I am prone to being sick.
4: Mm -hmm.
7: But I see where where it's just a lack. I see that very clearly. Mm-hmm,
4: mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great awareness.
6: This is Carla. I got on the call late. All these different times are really like, confusing me. But, um, so I have a question about when you should offer it up, and once you offer it up, you, recognize that you realize you stand in faith and and you you say tell yourself that um you've given it to the one who cannot fail and and release it. So I, I, I can see that as a continual releasing all the time. Anytime that doubt comes up, you're offering right. it up. Is that true? That's right. Yeah. Exactly. So my question is, even if we don't believe, because I know there, I, I I've noticed myself doing it, but I don't believe in it. I'm not trusting it.
4: Right.
0: So that's the thing is, if you you're not trusting it, then what you do believe, that's what's going to that's going to be your experience. so think of it this way and this applies to what you were talking about Julie as well so your thought is a thought of God because your mind is the mind of God so imagine that your mind
7: your awareness
0: is the light and that Your thought is like a slide or an image that you're shining the light through. So if your belief is, I don't have the power to heal my body, I don't have the power to heal, that's the thought, that's the image that is being, the light is being shined through. So you can say, but I've got this other thought over here, I don't believe it. But I have this other thought over here that I'm not shining the light through because I don't believe it. And the other thought over here is the Holy Spirit is healing me now. But if you're not shining the light of your belief, of your attention, of your faith, of your trust in that thought, you won't experience it because you're not invested in it.
6: The it's not what you're up. actively
0: energizing and holding.
6: But do you think that often up, up, that just just focusing on it, eventually, do you think that'll become if you focus on that? <clears throat> the more you do, the more it'll grow, and eventually, it'll become bigger than your disbelief.
0: If yes, exactly. So that's the thing: is having a real desire. But let's just, and we need to wrap this up because we're way over time here. But if, let's, and we can talk about this next time. So think about something that you had doubt around, but you had a deep desire around. And what happened in that experience? And we can talk about that next week, next class. Next class is, I believe, Wednesday the 29th. So we're going to go back to the Wednesday evening classes. Actually, next, uh, this coming Tuesday, we have a uh, Venerable's class. And then the week after, we have our Wednesday night class. So, great Class. Thank you so much for your willingness to share your personal details. I think it's so helpful for us in our learning. And that's what's wonderful about having this way of working in masterful living. So thank you. Thank you all for showing up. And so uh, let's take that breath of love and gratitude and um I'm still having web issues, so I'm not going to try and play a song. We'll just pray out here. I am grateful and thankful to consciously choose our healing. What I absolutely know is the higher Holy Spirit itself is in charge of our lives. We are grateful and thankful to open our heart and open our mind to the infinite intelligence, the love intelligence, leading us and guiding us. Grateful and thankful to open ourselves to the power and the presence of love. The great healer is awake and alive in our mind, in our life. We are grateful and thankful to hand over all doubt, all fear, all worry, all sense of lack of trust. We're handing it over to the Higher Holy Spirit Self. We're claiming our healing. We are grateful and thankful to share the benefits of our life of love and compassion. We are grateful and thankful to share the benefits of our healing with everyone because we're one with them. We are grateful and thankful to claim our healing and to claim our willingness to have a healing. We're willing to break through all the barriers of distrust, we're willing to surrender the doubt and the ego attachments. In gratitude, we let the healing happen. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Yes. Thank you,
1: everybody. I love you. God bless you.